July 20th, 1984, there was an epic fantasy film based on a novel of the same name written by a guy named Michael End. It was released at the time, in 1984, and at the time of its release, it was the most expensive film ever made outside the USA. Anybody guess what movie that is? No. <laughs> but you're close. <laughs> in this movie, I'm going to give you some more hints. In this movie, on his way to school, the main character, his name is Bastion, he ducks into a bookstore to avoid some local bullies. Any ideas what this story is? There it is. The never-ending story. He sneaks into this bookstore, and, and in being in the bookstore, he's introduced to this book called The Never-Ending Story. And, and then he sneaks out of the bookstore and for some reason goes to school and hides in the attic because I guess that's the best place to read a stolen book is in the attic of your school. Uh, so at least when you're skipping school, you're still there and you're reading. So it's like being in school. Well, you can figure that out later. Anyways, it baffled me, as you can tell. But he begins reading this book in the attic. And, and the novel is about a place called Fantasia, a fantasy land. And it's threatened by this evil and it was such a, a dreaded evil. Do you know what the evil was called? The nothing. The, yeah, the never-ending story. Don't take my punchlines. <laughs> it was called the nothing. It was something so fierce, so dreaded, they couldn't even give it a real name. The nothing was a darkness that destroyed everything that it touched. The kingdom of Fantasia needed the help of a human child to survive. And when Bastion reads a description of this human child, he realizes he's reading a description of himself in, in this book. And he begins to wonder if Fantasia is real. And, and if it is real, it obviously needs him to survive. And, you know, it amazes me how many Hollywood movies and how many books and how many comic books and TV shows have similar parallels to God's story. Here in the never-ending story, we have a fantasy land that is threatened by the darkness called the nothing. The kingdom of Fantasia needs a, a human child to help them survive. By the way, the never-ending story does finally end two movies later. Uh, <laughs> one was called the, the, the next chapter of the never-ending story. And then finally it ended with an escape from Fantasia. Uh, the point that I'm making there is that even the never-ending story ended but when you look at God's story, and, and for those of you who are visiting with us, we spent last year, 2015, going through God's story from Genesis to Revelation. And, and I want you to know, God's story is truly the only never-ending story. I'm going to share some of that with you today as we get into our focal point for the year, which is secrets. And by the end of this morning, we're going to wrap that all up, and you're going to be amazed. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to, to be here. I thank you for the opportunity we have to open your word, to read about the things that bind us together. I thank you that we have the opportunity to, to freely do that. I pray that as we, as we look at your word, as we look at 1 John, and, and we see the love you have for us, that through our time here this morning, we will have a desire to be a reflection of that love for others. In your son's name we pray, amen. If you haven't picked up on it yet, this morning I will be making some comparisons between the never-ending story and God's never-ending story. And I'm going to be referencing 1 John. We're going to start in chapter 1. You can go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. In the movie, The Never-Ending Story, somewhere in the middle, 
we learn that the land of Fantasia, like I said, it needs a human savior to battle the darkness. Now, this is called a plot twist for those of you who, who aren't authors. Um, the story's going along. It introduces the characters and, and who's good and who's bad. And you're kind of getting familiar with the setting and, and you're kind of imagining all these things in your mind. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, there, there's this huge problem and we need a hero. We need a difference maker. This is good writing. Okay, it is how a good story should happen. But see, God, he created in the beginning and he knew from the very beginning, he knew that sin would enter in. That's that's part of him allowing us to have free will. God allows us to choose if we will embrace the light of his love or the darkness of sin. And from the very beginning, God had a plan for the darkness of sin and how it would be conquered. You see, Satan and sin was not some plot twist or it wasn't something that was unexpected by God. And we're going to look at 1 John chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 5. And we're going to talk about light and darkness. And we're going to talk about sin and forgiveness. 1 John chapter 1 verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. You see, unlike Fantasia, God is light. There is no darkness in him at all. His desire is that we will walk with him. But it seems that sometimes we just simply desire the darkness instead. I don't know why that is, but we all do it from time to time. The reality is only you can decide where you will walk with God. Either you'll walk with him or you'll walk in the shadow of him. There's, here's the tricky part, though. We all desire to walk with him. We all want to walk with him. Nobody just wakes up one morning and says, I'm going to sin and disappoint God as much as I possibly can. We don't do that. So we, we have the desire to walk with him, but, but the problem is none of us can claim to be without sin. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. As much as we want to be, we have sin. We want to walk with him, but we can't. Verse 8 says, if we claim to be without sin, then we deceive ourselves and truth is not in us. So if that's true, then how can we walk in the light if we're full of sin? Verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10 says, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Brothers and sisters, we need to confess our sins. Now, I don't want you to run up here and and tell everybody all the horrible things you've done in your life. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I do want you to do, if you haven't yet done this, as I want everybody in this room, and if you're listening online later, I want you to find somebody in your life that you can be accountable to. Somebody that you can be real with. Somebody that you can share your weaknesses with. Somebody that you can share your struggle, your sin. You also need to confess your sins daily to the Lord. I want to share something with you. You may or may not be aware of this. He already knows what you've done. Fess up. Okay? Admit it. Own up to it and ask him for the strength to not do it again. 
We can't do it on our own. Just like in the world of Fantasia, they needed a human child to be the Savior. And in God's never-ending story, the only acceptable Savior was His Son, Jesus Christ. Look at 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 3 with me. Verse 3 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us. One of us is wrong. It could be me. We'll skip that. I'll just read what I have. And I thought it was 1 John 3, 3 through 10. Uh, you guys can check me on it. See, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But what we know, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sin, and in him is no sin. No one lives in him. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning, because they have been born of God. Quick pause here. I think you've seen the pattern already. We are continually reminded that sin separates us from God. And here in verse 9, we're told we cannot go on sinning. I want to clarify that because I've already shared with you that we're imperfect. We're going to make mistakes. We can't go on doing the same sin repeatedly and expecting God and expecting to remain in God. We can't go on doing the same thing that we know separates us from God and expect to remain in him. Yes, you're going to make different. You're going to make mistakes. Hopefully they're different mistakes. If you're continually doing the same sin, that's now called an addiction to whatever that sin is. And you cannot remain in God when you're allowing that to happen in your life. Verse 10 says, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. You see, the people of Fantasia were led astray. They were led astray by the nothing because as it came in, it would consume them and it would take their focus off what was good. I want to encourage you from verse 7 and 8. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. See, the devil's not a plot twist. He's been doing the same work since the very beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Jesus came. Like Don said, we just celebrated that. We celebrated his birth. The reason we celebrated his birth is, is a big deal. The reason it's a big deal is because of what he came to do and how he came to do it. That's why we celebrate the birth of our king. Do you realize, and maybe I just think this way and you guys are normal, but there could have been this huge, epic, spiritual battle between angels and demons and Satan and Jesus could have battled out to the very end and Satan would have still lost. But it could have all just been this spiritual battle that we would have never seen and never heard of and we would just have another Greek-type myth on our books. You realize that? Do you ever think about that? But, but here's the thing. 
Rather than just this mythical story where good beat out the force of evil, instead we have this real life story that God wanted us to know was more than just a fairy tale. His son was born. Here's some facts about this. Jesus' family is recorded in a government census. How awesome is that? This is not some mystical thing. This is not some, some myth. This is not something that may have happened. This is something that did happen. Even non-Christian historians wrote about Jesus and his life. They verified that he walked among real people. It kind of bothers me because I, I hear people, especially on social media, they say things like, well, Christians worship an invisible God. But historically, we can prove he was here. This is no fairy tale. This is no fantasia land. This is real. God's story is real and it's never ending because one day we will be in heaven worshiping him for eternity, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Amen? Amen. But why would God go through all of this for us? Knowing we would question. Why would he go through all this knowing we would doubt? Why would he go through all this knowing that we would scoff at him from time to time? Knowing that even as believers, we would have moments of weakness. Why would God still do this creation and this this sacrifice of his son? Why would he do all of this? Well, it's simple. His never-ending story has a never-ending purpose, too. It's his love for us. I read it to you earlier uh, in, in some of the earlier verses in 1 John. I'm going to read it to you again here in just a second in case you missed it. But also, we studied it all through 2015. There was God's upper story and the lower story. And all these things were happening because of his love for us. Because he wants to be with us. You see, again, John 3, 1 through 6. 1 John 3, 1 through 6. <clears throat> see what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Friends, if the only thing that God ever did for us was to lavish his love on us, if the only thing God ever did was call us his children, that in and of itself should be enough. But he did so much more, didn't he? So much more in our lives. He's doing so much more in your life right now. Verse 2, dear friends, now we are children of God and we will be what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. Man, I can't wait for Christ to appear so I can finally be like him. For we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sin, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. I already shared that with you. We will sin. God knows we will sin. He knows what you were doing on New Year's Eve. He knows what you're thinking about right now. But how do we know that we're forgiven? This whole... First John is back and forth about, you know, those who are in Christ are not sinning, but those who are sinning are not in Christ. And it can get confusing. How do we know we're forgiven? How do we know that this story is worth living out or even trying to live out? Because in First John 4, starting with verse 13, I hope I have this one right. It says, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. 
Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with the punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Verse 20, whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Folks, God's never-ending story is worth living out because it's true. Yes, it will take some work. It will take some focus. It will take some intentionality. You can't accidentally live for someone else. You, you have to make an honest effort to live for God. You have to be intentional about living out verse 21 that I just read to you. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. We must love one another. If we claim that, that we love God, but we lie to one another, you're a liar. You don't love God. If you claim to love God, but you're gossiping about your brother or sister in Christ, or you refuse to give them to forgive them for something, or, or you're always putting others last and yourself first, it saddens me to say, but you're a liar. I'm a liar. We can't do one or the other. You see, Satan will convince us that it's okay to love God, but people are annoying and they do dumb things and they get on our nerves. Satan tells us, he's the one that convinces us, God says we have to love each other. We don't have to like each other. And we believe that lie. We believe that lie. More of you want to say amen to that than the part I said earlier about eternity in heaven. <laughs> we believe the lie that, that God wants us to love each other but not like each other. So we gossip about one another to make ourselves look good. We refuse to forgive. We withhold grace from each other because we believe that lie. And when we do that, we're actually lying to ourselves. We're lying to God and we are separating ourselves from God. And you cannot be a part of that never-ending story when you're continually separating yourself from God. So how do we fix that? How do we change the way that we treat others? How do we change the way that we treat God? First off, we have to decide if we want to put God first in our lives or not. You have to make that decision. Then you have to act on it. We also need to remember what Jesus told his disciples after he told the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 10, but the focus there is on verse 11. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. Also, Paul shares with the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 3 that the mystery of the gospels have been revealed. If these things are true, then once again, because of God's love for us that we discovered going through the story, and, and now I'm sharing it with you again from 1 John, then these secrets have been revealed to us. We're going to look at these secrets in 2016. In 2016, we're going to look at the secret of worship. We're going to look at the secret of families and relationships. We're going to look at the secret of forgiveness, the secret of grace. We're going to look at the secret of success. Everybody likes that one. Yeah, the secret of success. We're going to look at the secret of joy and service and mercy. We're going to look at the secret of generosity. 
secret of growth. We're going to look at my favorite secret, the secret of Christmas, the reason for God's never-ending story. I can't wait to get to December. I know it's hard. It's kind of rough to say the first week of January. Can't wait for this year to be over. I'm excited because these secrets are all revealed to us in God's word, in his story. If you're ready to do something different for the Lord, if you're ready to risk everything that you hold dear right here on earth, if you're ready to risk all that to be a part of God's never-ending story in eternity, if you're ready to learn about the secrets this year, things like worship and life and relationships and all the other things I told you about, if you're ready to learn about these things and put them into action in 2016, then this is your time to respond. Maybe for you, your response is to find an accountability partner. Do it today. Don't wait till tomorrow because you won't do it tomorrow because you're going to go to sleep tonight. You're going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to have coffee and you're going to forget all about finding an accountability partner until you cut somebody off in traffic and yell at them for something. And then you're going to go, oh, I forgot. Don't wait. If you make no other response to God's word today, find somebody that in 2016 you can be accountable to for, for being a better reflection of him. Maybe your response is for repentance and rededication or you want to start things off differently this year between you and God, this is your time to respond. Our elders are here. They'd love to pray with you. They'd love to talk with you about these things. Maybe for you, your, your response is, you know what? 2016 is the year that I finally submit myself to Jesus Christ and the baptistry is ready and we'll, we'll make that happen. Or if you have questions about that, this is a good opportunity to respond. Whatever your response is, will you stand and sing with us our response song and respond to God accordingly? It's been great to be with you here today and to worship with you all, but in case you missed it, I want to tell you how excited I am about 2016. You see, one of the focal points of my job as your minister is confidentiality, and I've learned a lot about that aspect of ministry in, in my time here at Huntsville Christian Church, but for 2016, I get to tell you all the secrets that I have learned. <laughs> not about you guys, not, those, not that, that's, that's not what I'm saying, but... You got to check yourself on those things. <laughs> but about our, our amazing God and what his plans are for us and what his word has revealed for us and how we should respond to him and how we should live our lives according to what's been revealed in his word. I could go on and on for hours, but now it's time to go. As you go this week, I want to ask you to do me one favor. Just one thing this week. If you don't do anything else this week, just pray. Pray every day. And I want you to ask God to reveal something to you this year from his word that you may have overlooked. As you're doing that, I ask you to pray for your elders this week. Pray for your ministers that we can lead and shepherd and teach well this year. Pray for those who are sitting beside you today that this will be a year of secrets revealed and the walls of sin between us and God will be torn down. That We will honor God as a congregation this year and how we serve in our community. As you go this week, will you do that one small thing for me? Also, let's sing this last song before we leave.